This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we've got a fantastic show. We've got Rocky Sethi. Rocky Sethi, Chief Operating Officer from Adara Homes. So great to have Rocky on the, on the show. He's been operating in our market for, for decades. Also, Calgary before that for a stint. But we'll, we'll let Rocky tell the story. It was so great having Rocky in Kokomo Studios a few weeks back before you went on your extended paternity leave. Yeah, and I remember there was a lot of takeaways from this conversation. I was super impressed. Rocky obviously has been operating in our market for a long time. He has tons of experience. Everybody's going to learn a lot from this conversation. And I actually, I really like the Adara Homes uh, model because they are doing a lot of development in the Lower Mainland. And they seem to be kind of doubling down on what they know, which yeah. is really great. F- finding their niche and, and sticking to it. And, and that's where the right. success lies. Absolutely. This is a great conversation uh, today for sure. And Adam, before we get to our talk with Rocky, there's a few things uh, to discuss. One is you have now uh, left Mexico. I've left uh, Bus Rios, also known as BC Rios. Also known uh, as Boomertown. <laughs> Yes, was, yeah, Boomerville. You know, I mean, I we had a really great time. Really great. Uh, by the end, though, we were kind of ready to to move on. But yeah, tons of people from BC. Almost everybody in their sixties to eighties. And you were saying, like, when you met somebody, it wasn't like where are you from, Canada, or where are you from, Vancouver. It was like which street in Shaughnessy are you from? Yeah. Like, there's an assumption yeah. everybody's yeah. from from the Lower Mainland, almost. Yeah, which of the uh, islands are you from in BC, right? It's like everybody we met was from like Bowen or the Sunshine Coast or whatever. It, it, yeah, for sure. And how many people from British Columbia have you met in uh, in Cartagena, Colombia? You've been there since what, yesterday? Zero. Yeah, it feels good. It feels really good. It's, uh, you know what, It's it's been good. Uh, not to say that I like meeting people from BC. <laughs> Maybe we should, uh, yeah, let's back but, that up a bit. But it, it, it's, it's no, a little bit it, more, it's, it's, it's a little bit more exotic by the sounds of things. I'm, I'm putting my Duolingo to work here. This is the, this is the difference. I feel like that was very relaxing. My wife uh, made the comment that in, uh, the nice thing about Bucerias is that boomers and young families need the exact same thing which is just, you know, like a, a pretty, they're looking for the same thing, I should say, an easy pace in life, where I feel like this, the area I'm <laughs> baby staying... Baby food? Yeah, yeah, baby food and diapers? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> an, easy, an easy pace of life is what is what we were talking about. Um, whereas uh, I'm, I'm saying my, my, first, uh, my first couple of days in Cartagena, pretty vibrant, um, Sounds like quite a party sure how town. We're gonna, we need a babysitter is what we need yeah. to truly enjoy this place. 
And uh, one thing you missed uh, being away is Oakland had its holiday party. Oakland, of course, a proud sponsor of the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast uh, that I went to on Saturday night, which was, first off, an enormous party. There is a lot, a lot of new agents. They haven't had a party since before COVID. Right. And I just mean not necessarily newer agents, but agents that have entered the fold. It was an enormous party, like hundreds and hundreds of people. It was, uh, man, what a time. Disco themed. So I saw the disco theme. And, you know, one thing is I'm I'm sorry I missed it for sure, because it, it looked like a good party. And I all I saw was uh, the Instagram uh, stories and that sort of thing. But the one thing I will say as well, for a disco themed party, it kind of looked like nobody dressed up at all. There was, it but was... then some people really, really dressed up like the the gap between like the the do's and don'ts or the the yeah the like it was it seems it seemed like there were a lot of people that didn't participate is that is I that would true? say there was like you know of every hundred maybe ninety people you know wearing suits and uh and dresses and you know just kind of formal formal wear, probably six to eight of the last ten you know might have some sort of like slight disco theme and then like two or three people that literally went like full throttle full disco like like shaved in a 70s shave like cut their hair it just all out it was it was crazy i appreciate i appreciate when people do that and i'm uh like eight eight inch platform shoes shirts that were unbuttoned to the belly button uh you know just full right right not not my torso (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I appreciate when people do that. Uh, I can't actually, uh, I, I think I told, I, I, you, I you, you have ever, a traumatic experience with this. So <laughs> I did tell you this story. Yeah. I, uh, I was, I hinted that I would tell it again, but I was, when I went to, uh, when I first met my wife, when we were dating, her group of friends had a party, a big party. Like they had a, they rented a, um, a space in like, not rented, I should say they, that somebody who owned in a strata building downtown with like a big kind of party space booked the space. And it was actually a, a, a big party. And they, the theme was the future. And so I had no idea what I was going to do for this. And I think I got fairly in my vague. head a little bit. Yeah. Fairly vague. I, I think I got in my head and I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go all out for this. But you're dressing I to never impress. really would be. Yeah, and I never would be the one who would go all out for for one of these parties. But anyway, so I I go and I I dressed as this is this is actually kind of crazy thinking of it. Actually, like how did I make this mistake? I dressed as the. Um, have you seen Total Recall? Do you remember Total <laughs> uh, Recall? I, yeah, so I it do. was a it was it, it was an eighties movie set in the future, and one of the things was there was a three breasted prostitute in one scene and it's really like about a it's a it's a it's about a 15 second clip from a movie that wasn't probably i mean it was a big spot it was a, it was i don't a know big how movie, many yeah. people generally speaking though my my wife is a little bit young not not super not much younger but young enough that i'm young enough that you might total be the recall. only guy that knew total recall yeah yeah like this is a this is generally i think it, they probably just missed that movie this generation of party and I show up completely like all out in as a as a three-breasted 
future, futuristic <laughs> prostitute from Total Recall. And I nailed the outfit. I nailed the outfit completely. The issue was is that nobody really took it seriously. And so I spent almost the entire night. Almost everybody knew each other. I didn't know anybody. And I'm and I'm like so full bore, like so beyond like most guys, like like somebody put tinfoil around their baseball cap. Like that was future. <laughs> that was like one of the second that was probably the second most elaborate costume. <laughs> was like a guy who like you know was like oh yeah tinfoil like shiny like so anyways i yeah so i uh that was a that was a bad night so i learned my lesson and i haven't gone full bore on much of anything in life since. <laughs> and and you know <laughs> but in in uh in the and it's this isn't even in the defense there was a couple of good friends of the program who were really decked out. I hardly recognized them and, and everybody looked great. And it, yeah, it was just, there's some contrast there between, between well, uh, those who got the memo and those who didn't. Party, but I, I appreciate it. Good. I'll tell you the three breasted prostitute from total recall appreciates a good costume. <laughs> uh, last but not least, before we get to our talk with, uh, with Rocky Sethi, Adam, uh, we are all out of one of, uh, the live from Kokomo t-shirts. Now those are long gone. We do have right. a couple of t-shirts left. Uh, the blue build more housing t-shirts, but Sonia has just been, it's, it's, it's crazy. She's hard at work every day, sending those out. If you're interested in a t-shirt, a Vancouver real estate podcast t-shirt of the highest quality, how, how can you, how can you get one of those, Adam? You got to follow us on Instagram at Vancouver real estate podcast.com. Share your favorite episode on your story and tag us in it we will repost and uh, we'll do our best to get shirts out to you while supplies last we got some other shirts that are, are being made they're probably not going to be ready until the new year but uh, we'll be talking more about them but definitely if you like the show follow us on instagram share your favorite episode and we'll do what we can to get you a shirt Great, uh, great stocking stuffers for sure as well. Uh, but yeah, maybe we'll cut to our talk with uh, Rocky Sethi, the chief operating officer from Adara Homes. This uh, is such a great conversation. So I hope everyone enjoys. I can't wait. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam, with 165 homes ranging from junior one-beds to three-beds. Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at marcon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at marcon.ca or follow them at Instagram at marconhomes. Marcon, building for life.
Okay, so we're here with Rocky Sethi. He's the Chief Operating Officer at Adara. How you doing, Rocky? I'm well. How are you guys? Yeah, good, good. Thanks, uh, thanks for coming down, Rocky. Appreciate you coming to the studio. Uh, maybe for uh, people who don't know uh, much about you or Adara, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure, yeah. I'm uh, mid-40s, uh, been in Vancouver most of my life, or Metro Vancouver, Richmond specifically most of my life. Did a couple of short stints in uh, Kelowna and Edmonton. Uh, married to uh, my wife of almost 20 years, Binny. Uh, got a 10-year-old, 14-year-old, uh, a, a pretty amazing dog. And uh, we live in, in, like I said, in Richmond, but in the Steve scenario. Worked downtown, chief operating officer with Adira, and have been with a number of uh, pretty significant developer construction companies in, in Western Canada for the last 15 years. Nice. Did you grow up in Kelowna or what, what was the Kelowna connection? I grew up in Richmond, um, Richmond. moved out to uh, Kelowna in uh, 07, um, just before, you know, it was, I, I was a general contractor and small builder here in Vancouver and uh, it was getting a little bit difficult to scrounge up funds for an next projects and, you know, didn't have a lot of uh, experience running bigger, you know, more cash flow type of projects uh, under my belt. And an opportunity came up in uh, in Kelowna to uh, take over a uh, sizable operation for an Edmonton-based developer and develop some properties out throughout the Okanagan. So I jumped on that, moved the family up there, and yeah, that's how I ended up in Kelowna. And so you were, you were a general contractor here before you got into kind of working with larger developers? Correct. Oh, interesting. Interesting. And and how did you, what what prompted that transition? I guess you kind of just spoke a little bit about yeah, it. Yeah, I guess it was a lack of options. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I graduated uh, from UBC with a bachelor's in urban land economics. Um, and uh, after that, didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, got my real estate license. So I was uh, as a real estate uh, realtor with uh, Remax West Coast for a few years. Uh, and and, and a Built built a house kind of on the side with a with a friend. Um, you know, enjoyed that. Did five more. Really enjoyed that, and realized I liked uh, building houses uh, or building stuff uh, more than I liked uh, selling it. So, kind of transitioned over there over the uh, over the following few years. And and were those houses mainly in in Richmond? Because I know you you stay away from the city of Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, they were in Richmond, and yeah, definitely stay away from the city of Vancouver. <laughs> to this point where, I mean, you know, hopefully, hopefully things are on the transition over there. But uh, and I and I wish them well. Uh, and one one more uh, kind of housekeeping um, uh, item we mentioned to a, a colleague of ours in the office that you were coming down, and and his first comment was, "Rocky, that's the coolest name I've ever." <laughs> That's the coolest thing we've ever must heard. Get that a lot. Yeah, you, you got to get that all the time, right? <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I, I say it was, it, it's cool now, and it's uh, it, it's tough though because I'm, I don't have a very good memory for names, but my name's very memorable and easier. So everybody always remembers my name, and I don't remember theirs. So it's uh, it's yeah. a challenge there. Uh, and then I also say it's 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 cool now, but it wasn't so cool when you're like 140 pounds in grade seven. So <laughs> <laughs> you get picked on a bit. <laughs> Makes sense. Actually, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just beat the hell out of Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, before I want to, I want to uh, jump into actually transitioning into multifamily and working with developers. But it, just to backtrack a little bit, how how did you get your start in real estate? Why real estate? Um, my I, I grew up in real estate. I said uh, 
I had the fortune to grow up in in Century Twenty One office. Um, you know, uh, mustard jackets and and cheap crappy coffee, uh, <laughs> with lots of uh, lots of that uh, carcinogen carcinogenic oh, yeah. uh, um, whitener. Right. <laughs> um, and, and you know, so my my dad was a realtor. Uh, I, got, I I I was actually surrounded by some of the industry's best at the time, really high performers, and um, uh, you know, helped them with contracts and helped them take Polaroids and attach those and, and got the experience of driving them down to Broadway to the uh, real estate board and, and submit them for the hot sheets and the all yeah. that kind of stuff. So it was just, it, that's really, that was my first introduction to uh, to real estate. Do you think that, and, and I say this from an adult getting into real estate, but how it kind of transitions your, or changes the way you see a city, like growing up with driving around with, uh, with a dad in the industry, do you think you saw the city or the or Metro Vancouver in a different way, um, like in terms of just how it's changing. I don't know. Do you think yeah. that 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 gave you a lens to see the city in a different way? Yeah, it's interesting. I've never been asked that question before, but I I, I would say one of my, you know, one, I think one of my best qualities as a developer is is vision on on sites, and and maybe that's part of it. Is is you know, I see a piece of dirt, and I immediately know what should go on it. And it's not just me as a developer, um, that's what has to go on there, but it's taking into account generally what I know about the market, what I know about the community, uh, market demands at the time. So yeah, that, that might be a part of it. It's just been kind of ingrained in me from since such an early age. Did you guys, did you guys talk about uh, real estate like around the dinner table? That's stuff. Not, not really, not really. Um, you know, I think, because I think it was my dad and my, and I, and I had a, a, a fairly close relationship around work. So I understood it and he understood it. And we just kind of talked about it like that, but uh, no, not necessarily uh, around the dinner table as much. Mm. Yeah. Just thinking about your, so you go, you go and we're skipping a lot. And I want to, I know you've been operated outside of Metro Vancouver as well, which we'll yeah. get back to, but uh, so you go to UBC, you do the, um, Basically, the real estate degree. Yeah, like the BCom and Urban Land. Yep. Right. Yeah. Uh, you become a realtor. You become a general contractor. You start working for developers. Now you're the chief operating officer at Adera. Yep. Can you talk a little bit about, I guess, what a day in life looks like, but also, like, yeah, what what you're doing. What, sure. What that what that chief operating officer does at Adara. Sure. Uh, I'll start with the last question first. Um, uh, my role at Adara is uh, overseeing the operations, so the daily operations from uh, um, you know involved in acquisitions, uh, development, construction, sales and marketing, uh, and customer service. So it's it's all from soup to nuts on the on the development side, and and that and we've got a team of about about fifty people. That's from the office out to the sites uh, across all those disciplines and silos, and uh, my job is just try to kind of keep them all working together, pulling the same, you know, all the horses pulling in the same direction. Yeah. So that's kind of what I do. My, you know, my, um, a day in the life of me is, uh, it really, it really does, you know, fortune and fortune revolve around my work schedule. So today I had a little bit of a, having a little bit of a later day. It's, uh, we were talking earlier, going to the Canucks game. Yeah. And it Sounds like a great what, job. See what happens. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so I, I hit the gym early. So I went to the gym at six this morning and then, uh, head home, see the kids and then, and then head out to, uh, head out to the office. I'm just thinking about, so city of Vancouver is off limits for Adara. Uh, at least for the time being, but how, how do you, in terms of acquisitions, like where, where can you talk a little bit about that process? Um, and, and what Adair is looking for and, and what makes a good deal Sure. Uh, in terms of 
Yeah, okay, acquiring sure. the property. Uh, again, I have to qualify the city of Vancouver too. I, I, our, our, uh, I, I would say our job as developers hard enough, and um, I li- we like to deal with municipalities that uh, don't not necessarily not necessarily tee it up and make it all easy, but have goalposts that that are generally set. You know, uh, structure that allows us to have some predictability in our business. Um, that's all we're asking for. So, you know, so certain municipalities, not just city of Vancouver, have been challenging to deal with in the past. And uh, you know, I'm hoping for better things there. And and also in some other municipalities, I hope we have, have turned uh, turned a page. Um, but yeah, no, we're we're really looking at um, over the last few years, we've been heavily focused on um, uh, acquiring and developing land that's that's trans oriented. That's that's a huge we've um, a huge uh, driver for for growth in 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 Metro Vancouver. Vancouver. We know our buyers demand it. Um, we focus entirely on wood frame. Uh, so we do townhomes, sack townhomes, six-story wood frame, and 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 all of the, all of the platform is now transitioned over to mass timber, which has been which has been I think a a, a bit of a game changer. And so hopefully, yeah, on the, on the horizon is uh, is something taller in in mass timber. That so that would be our scope. But we don't do anything in concrete, aside from you know we joke around except for our, our foundations and our and industrial. So we do have an industrial portfolio that we do build. So we manage it, and we we have some that we just completed about three hundred thousand square feet of uh, industrial in Burnaby. I guess about four years ago. Do so. you sell the industrial or hold the the industrial? We hold it. You hold it. Yep. Um, and so the couple things. Why only wood frame? Is it the timelines that that seem to work out? Yeah, that that you're you're right. There, there. That's definitely a component of it. And um, uh, yeah, it's definitely it's a bit more flexible. It it kind of insulates you or it allows you to be insulated a bit from the market uh, ups upturns and downturns. So it uh, um uh, that that's been a bit of a driver. Yeah. And then how has mass timber changed the game for you guys? And do you like uh, do you like working with mass timber as opposed to just more? More stick frame, stick traditional. frame, traditional, yeah, yeah. It's um, it it is it is exactly it is game changer. It's um, I, I toured some folks from Portland down. Uh, they were uh, they were up here from Portland a few weeks ago, and um, went on one of our sites, and they were blown away. You know how how our sites are, how clean they are, how fast they go up, uh, and and a lot of the other things that that master the inherent uh, characteristics of mass timber, what they allow us to do. Uh, our trades like it, you know. So yeah, uh, shout out to all the trades out there that have a difficult enough job as it is working on a mass timber site is is a little easier or the thought process is done um, digitally so we we build our uh, our projects uh, uh, in in or rebuild them I guess in in 3d modeling um, through some through some sub consultants that we use uh, and then we build them on site so they de- they definitely are it's it, it's really really a different process so like the framing disappears right like is it is it more like they're they're linking up like everything gets delivered to the site and then you're connecting things. Is and, that- and just to piggyback on that, uh, we've talked a little bit about mass timber on the show, but for somebody listening, that's like totally out sure. to lunch here. Uh, can you just explain yeah, sure. the, yeah. the difference and, and how it's. Yeah. 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 We'll start, we'll start with that. Um, uh, you know, I think everybody's pretty familiar with a traditional stick frame, wood frame site. Uh, you've got your floor joists. Um, they're all to site individually cut on site sheeted with plywood. You've got your walls, which are all framed on site. Again, two by four, uh, top, bottom plates, and then you then then you repeat. Uh, with mass timber, uh, the floor system is made up of a, uh, a different, dif- depending on how 
the larger spans are. It's a laminated piece of timber. Uh, again, two, generally two by fours, but they could be bigger. Uh, that are that are that are laminated in different directions, so they have uh, the different strengths go in different directions and let you span uh, varying varying lengths. And that's really your floor system. There, it's all made from uh, uh, regional forests. So we uh, our, our suppliers here source all the material in our province, which is nice. It's manufactured in our province, and then they are shipped, like you said, uh, they are shipped uh, to site and then essentially assembled. So they're Simple. they're they're put to site. There, there's no cutting on site. There's no drilling on site because we pre-drill all of our floors for our, our our plumbing runs and HVAC runs. So it really is a little bit I call it a little bit more elegant of a wow. way to build. Uh, and then our walls, uh, instead of stick framing them on site, we do. I mean, a lot of guys do it now, but uh, we do prefab walls. So all of our walls are they're they're traditional traditionally framed walls. So they're two by four, but they come to site prefabricated. We just basically erect them into place. And and the benefit of of building with mass timber, I know that there's carbon capture elements that are 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 great. But in terms of like actually like sound transfer and and like can you talk a little bit about like what are some of the benefits of mass yeah. timber? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, I'll do a shameless plug for our, we have two sites right now that are under that are uh, for sale: Pura in Surrey and and uh, a Seoul in Coquitlam. And aside from, you know, mentioning because we have homes for sale, the other is, is to go for, uh, with your question on sound. Both of those uh, presentation centers have sound rooms built there. So even if you're not interested in purchasing a home, go and check them out. It, it's, it, we have a sound room which mimics a, uh, a room in a, uh, a home built to code. And then uh, right beside it is a room in a home built with our what we call Smartwood, which is our mass timber floor system with the acoustical, uh, un, uh, basically acoustical floor assembly that allows us to actually meet or exceed uh, concrete built to code. So it's wow, it actually, wow. so we actually get very, and we, and we, we work with acoustical, acoustical consultants up front uh, during the design phase. We have them come out and test during construction, and then we have them come out and test after construction. That's something I don't know if any other developer in the city does that. So we do that. And, um, and, and so we, you know, the proof is in the pudding. We actually are able to deliver on, on what we're telling people we're, we're designing to. And is it, it's, how much quicker is it to, to construct a, a project with mass timber? Uh, on the, f- on the framing side, it's about 30% faster. So it's, it's considerable like, and, um, yeah, we've had, we've had multiple projects and, and they vary a little bit, but that's generally the number that we see. Interesting. Yeah. So it's funny, but I, I feel like that's, uh, you know, a lot of people demand concrete, but I, I think a lot of it has to do with sound transfer. So it's interesting that, that, uh, all the measures that you're taking right now from wood frame, because if you can get a, a, a very similar product out to the market quicker and and uh you know more cost effective uh and environmentally and, sound and more environmentally sound i mean it seems like a a, a good bet yeah i mean that and then where we are really looking to to guys like yourselves too is to understand the product because you know it and that's why we built the sound rooms we do a lot of outreach with with the real estate community to help them understand it and um i agree i mean we don't while we feel our product is as good or better than concrete, we understand that there's a perception. So what right now what we're trying to do is move the needle over from uh, being compared to traditional wood frame to understanding that this is mass timber or smart wood and it is a superior product. And and again, I think for for the real estate community, for, for realtors in general, um, there's an ability to sell your client into a home that's a better quality home. There's less 
callbacks. So we get far less callbacks. I mean, you guys have, have sold pre-sales and, and, and when, a, when a developer doesn't come back and, and take care of their product, that's a challenge. Our, our, our homes settle less, so there's there's way less settlement in the building itself, uh, meaning way less callbacks and way less inconvenience for, for customers and, and investors down the road. So I just want to, because uh, to kind of go back to this question then about what makes a good development site for Adara. So are you kind of playing in the area of, obviously you're not you're not building towers, you're not building high rises, correct? Um, so you're kind of looking for a site that will service uh, wood construction, like five, four to six story kind of construction, or or townhomes or row homes, that sort of thing. Yeah, we've done uh, so. All of our buildings uh, uh, to date have, have topped out at six floors. We have looked at some some, some taller uh, opportunities around twelve stories, which which is now allowed in the BC Building Code. And that would be mass timber, though. That would be mass yeah. timber, correct? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, we actually had a, a townhouse site, a stack townhouse site that we did uh, in um, uh, in Coquitlam using uh, is a hybrid technology. So all of our sites are hybrid mass timber. So, uh, but we use mass timber there, and and the results were amazing. So it's a stack townhouse, like you know, unit on top of unit. Uh, with all with front doors. Um, and it's easily the best uh, stacked product that Adair has ever done. And Adair has done more stacked townhomes in Vancouver, I think, than anybody else. I'm just wondering, would you say Adair, I mean, I guess uh, sounds almost like a plug, but uh, kind of leading the way in terms of, of mass timber? And how did, how did Adair kind of shift? Like, did you see that as a differentiator in, in the marketplace? Or I'm just curious to hear how how you became kind of a leader in that space. Sure. Yeah, no, I'll uh, uh, appreciate the question. My, is a, a bit of a proud moment. Uh, like I said, a few weeks ago, some folks from Portland came up to look at our our project. So when I first started uh, at Adair, I went down to the Portland Mass Timber Conference, which is one of the biggest uh, conferences in the world for mass timber. And it's an excellent, it's an excellent one. Um, and, you know, that was about five years ago. And so a couple of weeks ago, they came to see us. Which was kind of which was kind of neat to see. Like we were, we went down there to learn about it. Now they're coming up to to pay respects and, and to see what we're doing. And they were blown away. And they, they're a great group. So I'd, I'd recommend anybody who's interested in mass timber to check out that conference. Um, but our, um, you know, I guess our interest in it is that we have no we have no desire to build in concrete. So it's it's really about the evolution of wood frame construction, and it was about doing it better. Uh, you know, we do want to go we do want to go taller with wood. We see that as the future of wood frame. Uh, having done a lot of concrete, I've done uh, I've done a lot of tower. And I know um, the efficiencies of concrete and where it really works well and where it doesn't. And in that zone from, let's say, six to somewhere around 18 stories, concrete is not very efficient. It's very expensive. It's very clunky. You don't get the, you don't enjoy the, all the benefits of concrete because you're not quite tall enough to really leverage it. Uh, but you have all of the overheads and costs of, of, of doing it in concrete. So now mass timber lets you bridge that gap in something that's better. It's more sustainable, you know, all the other benefits of mass timber. Hmm. That's great. So I'm just thinking about locations then. So we've talked about some of the areas where you're developing. Where are you excited about right now? Like, which, do you have uh, sub-markets that you're monitoring for future projects? Yeah, um, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say Coquitlam and, and Surrey. We're, we're active in both of them. We're happy to be active in both of them. They're they're both cities that have, uh, you know, so, I mean, Surrey's been redeveloping at Surrey City Centre for for. for a long, better part of a decade or more over a decade at this point, but it's really starting to fill in. And if you spend any time in Surrey City Center, you start to see the energy has changed. It's, you know, I was, I was telling my wife is prepping for this, uh, for this discussion and I said, actually, Surrey City Center in many ways has a nicer vibe than a lot of areas in downtown Vancouver. It's, it, you know, it's, Especially it's, these it's, days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's young, it's dynamic. It's got a lot of new restaurants open, could, could use a lot of new restaurants, but it, but it's definitely, you can feel the change and, 
you've got towers that are coming up that are nearing completion. So they're, you know, again, I think four or five years out, I think it's just going to have a ton of opportunity there. Coquitlam, um, a little bit different. A little bit, there's two specific centers. Uh, they're each kind of coming into their own different ways. Those are two areas that we're focusing on. We really like the North Shore. We really like uh, City of North Vancouver. Again, very much transit-oriented. If you're, if you're down, if you're on Lawn Sill, you can, you can get onto transit pretty quick. Uh, it's a, it's a uh, progressive municipality, meaning, again, they don't line it up on, on, you know, on a silver platter for you, but they, but they, they, they help you develop things. And, and then outside of uh, Lower Man, the person I'm, I've always been excited about the Okanagan and, and South Okanagan. And we were talking about it earlier, I really like Penticton. So, you know, there's lots of, but we're not doing, uh, Dara's not doing anything out there, but there's just markets that you're watching. Well, I'm curious because your, your career's taking you to Alberta and to the Okanagan and, and then back to Vancouver. I guess I, I mean, this, this question in two different ways. The question is, what, if anything, makes Vancouver unique, both from just, I guess, living in other places, but, but also just from a development standpoint. Mm. Uh, can you speak to that? Yeah. Um, I think Vancouver, if it really, there's, if in, in direct comparison to either the Okanagan or uh, where I lived in Edmonton, there's really no comparison. I mean, Vancouver offers stuff, uh, a lifestyle year round that neither city can touch. And I mean, Kelowna is a bit, argue, you know, you could argue that because there's obviously a great uh, summer uh, uh, lifestyle and a great winter winter lifestyle as well. But just think Vancouver from a, from an urban perspective and uh, uh, from a, from a, you know, if you're, if you're really looking for something that's multicultural and cosmopolitan, you can't, you can't really beat Vancouver. Um, uh, so that's, you know, so I, I really enjoy that aspect. And I, again, I think each of the municipalities in Metro Vancouver are also getting that critical mass where they're coming into their own. I look at Richmond and I say there's the the example I use is there's I was in Richmond when the 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 first uh, uh, influx of, of people from Hong Kong came. And that was very interesting to watch. And, you know, I was there and I lived in my dad was in real estate. So again, I lived it very closely. But the 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 uh, use a restaurant scene or, or whatever there now, you have second generation uh, um, Chinese that are opening up restaurants in, in Richmond and they are fantastic. They are second to none. They are, they are, they're more eclectic. They're a bit more open, a bit more worldly, I should say. And so the vibe has changed. And, and again, you, you, you multiply that over Surrey City Centre, you multiply in the North Shore with the Beer District. Like, there's just lots of really cool things happening in around Metro Vancouver that make it a very exciting place. And it's, it's I think we're only seeing the start of it. Right. Yeah, I kind of, I, I liken it almost to, we've talked about this before, but I remember when I was visited Japan, how there's all these different kind of sub areas, but they all are equally awesome, but offer something completely different from each other. And it's based around their transit lines, very similar to how, how our, our region's developing. But it is getting to that point that if you go to say Brentwood, you look around and there's it, there's a ton of stuff to do. There's great shopping. There's great restaurants. There's a completely different and it feels, vibe. Diff- yeah, it feels then totally Metro different. Town, yeah. Then Metro Town, then anywhere, yep. right? Yep. And it's so exciting to think forward, you know, 20 years to a, the metropolitan area where where you're going to have these like tons of amenity rich locations, but all offering something slightly different. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think that you kind of roll that back into the question of what makes Vancouver unique. It's, I, I think it's, I think it's that. And I think, you know, the other, the, the macro, the macro uh, factors, you know, our, our, our position on the West coast, accessibility to Asia, uh, accessibility North and South. I, I frequently refer to Cascadia as a region and um, the ability of, of tech to move North and South along the, along the West coast, I think is a huge benefit, same time zone. Um, 
so I, all of, yeah, it's all of that. That's really what makes, you know, you know, they, I think we used to say, well, you can ski and, uh, and, 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 uh, what, uh, kite board or whatever, you yeah. know, on the, on the <laughs> same day, I'm like, well, okay, that's, that's a fairly small uh, number of people that are doing that, but there's lots of other things for lots of other people. So. That catered to that one guy <laughs> yeah. from Germany who kite boards and skis. Yeah. Rocky, just thinking about the current moment, the the October stats just came out, uh, and it, it's not all necessarily doom and gloom, but it's pretty slow mm-hmm. there. Uh, of course, we're dealing, and we've talked about it so much on the show, but supply chain issues, inflation, interest rate increases, we're in a pretty challenging moment. I'm curious to hear about how how you and Adair are thinking about it. If there's another moment this reminds you of, uh, or or how you're how if at all you're you're pivoting in this moment. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I mean, I've been in 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 real estate for 20 years, so I have seen other moments. Uh, nothing nothing like what we're going through right now. I think they they all have their own um, uh, nuances to them. The the multiple factors right now, you know, high interest rates, high high employment. Um, you know, there, these, these, some of these factors have just never really converged. Um, right. um, so there's not a lot of data. What we're doing as a, as an organization is really, I think what a lot of other smart developers are doing, which is kind of batting down the hatches, focusing on what we do best, uh, making sure our product is, you know, we, we're not, we're not rushing to the market We're we're, 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 uh, marketing product in a, in a responsible manner. I like to say that w- and I use this line with municipalities. I also talk to buyers about it is when we go to ground or when we start marketing a project, that project is going forward. There's not, there's, there's nothing else happening. That project's going forward. Whereas I think there are some people out there that are, um, you know, that, that can't, Either they're going to launch and not be able to start, or 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 for whatever variety of reasons. So we're just being very responsible in our approach to development and uh, really just focusing on what we do best. Does this moment right now uh, in the economy and also in the market does it remind you of any any time in the past twenty years, like something that it feels like a parallel? Um, no, and uh, I think the I think people are looking for a, a parallel. People are looking for something to compare it to, and right. that's. And even I am. I think everybody is. We're all trying to say, okay, well, we're you know, we're, we're old enough now. We should be able to have a, a tool belt to go into to say, well, yeah. this is how we're going to do it. But it, it really is just super unique. And I think, again, um, you know, generally, if something slow, you know, I use the the three legged stool. You can you can sell, you can build, uh, and you can get approvals. And you know, we all three of those just continue to be challenged. You know, we we it's still hard to get an approval, still hard to build something, and it now it's difficult to sell. So. Um, you've got a supply constrained market, um, that's only going to become more so. And, um, the, the, the unfortunate part is it's, it's going to, it's going to, um, you know, it's going to, I guess, wash out in, in rates, whether it's rental rates or, or housing costs going forward. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just 
feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. You know, we've talked about this on the show, but, and you just mentioned that Dara, when you launch a project, you, you're, you're launching it actually, yep. right? Yep. Um, I'm just thinking about, and this really came out in some conversations, I think about six months ago we had, but, but this idea of demand shocks in Vancouver, right? That we go through these cycles of crazy demand and then they disappear. And then it's markets like this where you're like, where'd everybody go? And then nobody builds anything. And then we have another demand shock. And then it's like this kind of agonizing process in which it feels very, it's either like we're rip roaring or we're dead. Do you, do you foresee launching a, a number of projects over the next, say, 12 to 18 months as we're presumably in a, in a slower market? No, I mean, we'll, 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 uh, you know, we, we won't take our foot off the gas. We just won't press those hard during, uh, if the market continues to so, show signs of weakness, we will, we'll, we'll, we're continuing to build. We have uh, a, a great project in, in Britannia that's 73 townhomes that's, you know, performing very well and continue to build there. We've got a, a couple of rental projects under, underway, under construction. We're going to continue to focus on those. And then we've got the two, uh, market condo projects again, but they're well positioned. Um, the land was purchased right. We're struggling through construction costs just like everybody else is. Right. Uh, but there's great product at the end of the day. And now we just have to make sure that we are talking to buyers, talking to the real estate community and, and, and kind of presenting uh, the, these, these, these communities as opportunities. Um, because I really don't, I, I tell everybody, while interest rates are high, it's not going to get any cheaper to build homes. I, unequivocally, homes are not going to get any cheaper to build. So, you know, take everything and, and land is, you know, maybe going to come off a bit, but you know, take that for what it's worth. When, when, you know, four or five years down the road, um, we're going to be in a more expensive housing market. Rocky, we're in this weird moment, and we've talked about this before. I think uh, with with a number of guests, but it's just a curious time where, as you just mentioned, the the cost of housing is is continuing to increase, and it, five years from now, it's going to be even more expensive to build. And yet, we're seeing a market in decline. So, so. On the resale market, stuff's getting cheaper. On the new construction, it's getting more expensive. How how do you see this playing itself out? Right. So yeah, I, I just I think that the uh, the market long term, you know, like you said, we're we're going to be costs are escalating. Um, so we're going to end up in a market that's going to have to to deal with that that uh, 
that convergence or that that set that uh, compression of that difference. Um, so you know you're going to see smaller homes. You're going to see you know prices are going to increase. I do think there's going to have to be some some uh, government led solutions and it, whether it's regard in in regards to mortgages extending uh, amortization rates. Um, they've they've lost the the government's lost a lot of the levers around interest rates. We can't mm-hmm. we can't really play with those too much anymore. You know I think they'll settle back down, but they're but their historic lows are, are gone for for. An, you know, for a very long time. So yeah, it, it's going to be some other things that change in the market, some other structural things that change in the market in order to, to make up that gap. Because, you know, I remember when, uh, Reliance launched the, uh, um, uh, the tower on, um, uh, the old Toyota dealership downtown was 1100 bucks a square foot. I remember saying at that time, you're never going to see 1100 square feet downtown again. And, and we're never going to see it again. You know, it's right. just, you know, now, now guys are spending, you know, six, 700 bucks a square foot just to build the tower, just the hard cost. Let alone everything else, right? So, Rocky, um, maybe shifting gears a little bit here, but in, in thinking about the pre-sale market, I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts on how the market is, but then also a little bit about how the resale market and the pre-sale market kind of interact in a market like like this moment. Yeah, sure. Um, no, we're we're pretty pretty happy actually. We've launched two projects into this very challenge into this very challenging time again going back to the 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 challenge of approvals we 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 got our permits in the you know call it in 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 the middle of summer and so we launched in uh in into fall into a, into a market with a lot of uncertainty none of the fundamentals of what we were offering were changing they, they were it was a smart wood mass timber building the adira name great location great product price point you know price point accurate etc cetera, etc cetera. we had a great team what it changes everything else, you know. So, so now, so, so coming into the market, we've, uh, you know, the the pure project in Surrey, which is 248 uh, uh, wood frame, six uh, wood frame homes in, in a six story form um, on the west side of Surrey City Center. It's it's walkable to SkyTrain. It's um, but it's you know it's it's a it's one of the last bastions of of, of low rise wood frame housing in in otherwise a sea of towers. Right. Uh, so all the benefits of being in Surrey City Center without having to be in a fifty story tower with you know with you know six hundred your closest friends with two elevators. So it's <laughs> you know um, and weirdly you don't talk to any of them. Yeah. 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 Uh, and and then and then same with Coquitlam. We we launched uh, our project Soul, or we've kind of been softly launching uh, Soul over the last uh, several weeks. Um, that's a community of just over 200 units. Um, there's a, it's a boutique building with only about 92 homes, uh, with 110, um, lifestyle rentals built next to it around a, a courtyard, central courtyard. So there's lots of amenities, but again, you're like less than, I want to say less than 700 meters, maybe 600 meters to a SkyTrain station. And, uh, some of the best, uh, you know, wh- where I want to see serious city center go is where some of the stuff is happening in Quitlam. I mean, we've, we've had, we've seen some, uh, some of the best ramen places start to open up on the North road corridor. We've seen, a uh, a high-end bakery from from North End now move into Coquitlam. I mean, what in you know ten years ago did we see high-end bakeries coming to North Road and Coquitlam from North End? No, yeah. you just you just didn't see it. Yeah. So, so yeah, we're, you know, but the, and the, so that pre-sale market, while it's been challenging, we've had, we've had a good level of success with both projects. It's not a slam dunk. It's not a you know you're not selling out in you know thirty you know well, not even thirty days. Call it a, a weekend. But I also I think I, I asked myself when I was uh, thinking about this is when was when did anybody ever think it was healthy to sell out a project over a weekend. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, so Rocky, I think we've established the presale market is, is pretty uh, lackluster generally speaking right now. Um, I'm kind of curious to hear, you know, as the chief operating officer of Adara, what would be a signal or many signals? What are signals right now that would give you signs of optimism? Would it be registrations on your website? Is it foot traffic? Is it actual deals taking place? Is it 
Tiff Macklem doing a 0.5 interest rate. I, like, I feel like there's all sorts of, uh, there's all sorts of ways to read the tea leaves here. Um, how, how are you, what would give you hope? What we were talking about is we, we, I think smart businesses are getting as much information as possible. We're, like I said, we're in a time that we've never um, really experienced before. So you're trying to get as much information, digest it and look through it through the lens of what your, you know, a quality business does and the fundamentals, see, see, see what's still there. Um, I'm with you. I, I thought the, I thought the 0.5 or 0.75 was, was positive. I mean, that's just me as a developer, the eternal op- optimist maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but, uh, but, but that, I, I was hopeful from it. Um, you know, there, you're also, I mean, all of us are learning more about economics than we ever wanted to in our whole lives. Right? So I feel I'm looking- like I'm following the Bank of Canada in a way. Yeah. And even the Fed, like the Fed the other day, I was like, man, I'm waking up in the middle of the night. How many more hours to this? Yeah. It's like, yeah. this is a weird moment. I don't, I don't want to know Tiff Macklem's name. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it, it's, uh, um, you know, and, and you look and, and now even the comparison between the states and here and their interest rate market versus our interest rate market, yeah. there's differences there. And then if they move and we don't move, the impact of the dollar, there's all these things. So again, I, I just think looking at the fundamentals, I, I think what, at the end of the day, what buyers want is um, is, is some level of, of, of certainty. Um, I think if they... If if they see uh, if the next if the next uh, rate increase, you know, let's 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 cross our fingers. It's maybe it's twenty five basis points. Maybe it's fifty. Uh, hopefully, it's not seventy five. But if there's, you know, they they want to see. They kind of want to peek over the over the dashboard and, and know what's coming. Right. Uh, when they can't see that, they they just don't, they don't, they, don't, they freeze. They just don't make the decisions. Right. So what we have is, you know, there's a um, uh, there's a the. First time home buyers are being being pushed out of the market at, at, a, at a pace. I was reading an article today in the New York Times. You know, there, there's it's all it's it's gone down like twenty six percent from forty percent of the market in the states. And in our in our product, we're you know we were used to seeing sixty uh, percent home buyers and 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 you know there's a mix. But now now it's now it's more investors because they're they're the ones that have a bit of the, I guess the longer term view. They're mm-hmm. they're not they're they're a bit more bra- not brazen is not the right term, but they're maybe a bit more confident, well healed. Uh, whereas first time home buyers are just unfortunately not able to make a decision. It's not their fault. They're 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 trying to understand the tea leaves, and 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 there's nothing. Nothing's making sense. Are you? Does that change the way that Adair does things? Like, is there a pivot here because of that? Like, are you, do you stop building product for first time home buyers right now, or do you focus on the missing middle product, or do you? Do you focus on investors, or does that change anything? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think the one of the benefits of of Adira being is fifty, it's almost fifty five years. The company's been in business. Uh, the, pro, the our product has always been, you know, a, a bit of a well built product, but not overly. It's, it's not, um, um, you know, we're not trying to serve a luxury market or an upper end market. We're trying to we're trying to serve home buyers uh, and investors that want a good quality product. So I think in times like this, uh, that's when our product really starts to make a lot of sense. Um, uh, so our our our, our our home sizes are, are reasonable. Uh, our offerings, like our our our, our spec, is, is is solid and is, is tested and true. Um, but yet we're not, you know, you're not you're not overpaying for stuff you don't need. And in this market, people will only pay for what they need. You know, we, 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 we have an option in our, on our homes for air conditioning, you know, that's top of mind for a lot of people now, uh, but there, I would say, you know, something like 90 plus percent of the market does not option air conditioning. There's air conditioning available, but they'll air condition the whole building. We let buyers choose whether they want wow. to air condition their home or not. It's a, a bit of an acrobatic feat internally and for our construction guys. Um, But uh, I tell you, you know, the, our our construction guys really understand why they're doing it. They're doing it for the customer and the customer really appreciates it. So we're getting, we're getting a lot. And that's just one example of how we're kind of, we're, you know, we're not, again, we're not pivoting per se. We're, we're just doing what we do 
trying to do it better. I just I've never I've never even heard that before. How does that even work? Is it like a split duct system, or is it like how to like? It's a it's a uh, it's a wall wall unit with a condenser on your deck. Right. So it's uh, you know it 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 cools the air in your home. It it, it gives cool. you that it gives you that comfort. And uh, again, not not all buyers can afford it. Also, not all home buyers need it. If you're on the north side of a building, you know you pr- probably still don't need it. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. But on the south side, on a sunny day, especially on like our building in Crest in North Vancouver, where you're south on a slope, uh, yeah, you definitely need some AC. That's awesome, Rocky. Can you time the presale market? As a buyer, oh, completely. You, you said that. You said that like you didn't even believe the question yourself. <laughs> uh, like, like I, like I said uh, before, I, um, uh, I think you know, I, having again, having been in the business for twenty years um, and being starting in construction, I, I understand. I, I can't say I understand everything about construction, but I know a lot about it. And I, you know, with between. Material cost increases, um, labor cost increases, uh, energy code changes, um, uh, seismic code changes, building code changes. Between all of these factors, there's just simply no way we can go back. And and that, and I actually is, is it's a great question because I was thinking about this like the homes I built 20 years ago. I remember I was thinking about this. Uh, I remember looking at that time, thinking the homes built 20 years before them were absolute garbage. Yeah. But now I'll go back and look, man, the homes I built 20 years ago, not that they're garbage, but they're, but they're not, <laughs> but they're nothing like the homes we built today. They're, they're yeah. not nearly as thermally efficient. They're, the heating systems are completely different. It's they're dramatic. just, they're just outdated, yeah. you know, and, and that goes to uh, that, that whole conversation of, oh, uh, don't, don't build any new housing, but the, but the new housing of today is old housing of tomorrow. And that, yeah. that's what, that's what replenishes the housing stock. And that's just what we're not doing enough of, but yeah. Yeah. I actually, I, I remember I, uh, a guy I know is a, a builder that one of his things was that he's like code code today and changing code makes sure that that good product exists. And, uh, and he was saying that in the critique of an, in, an inspector saying that, you know, a lot of the newer spec product is, is garbage, right. Mm-hmm. Which was this guy's opinion. Yeah. But uh, that was met with the, like, you can't, it's hard to build garbage when the code is so yeah. stringent. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, there, there's definitely some truth to that. I mean, it's uh you know, I was looking at some step four townhomes in Vancouver, you know, the amount of outboard insulation and this and that. I mean, there's, you know, people can poke holes at it and then this and that, but it just makes you elevate your construction standard uh, right. to a degree when you do that. It's not perfect, but it, but it, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely better. You can still screw up the tiles and then the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can still get you screw up your dial yeah, whatever, yeah. but again, yeah, it's not making a home anymore. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it sounds like if if there was advice for somebody potentially thinking about uh, pulling the trigger on presale, you know, in real estate we always say there's no time like the present, but yeah. uh, but literally, yeah, you know, six months, a year from now, a year and a half from now, it's going to be more expensive. Yeah, like like you keep we don't want to keep going back to our 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 projects, but you know, for instance, you know, we've got uh, homes in 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 Coquitlam that were again we're, we won't be able to build them the same price two, three years from now, and we're offering incentives because the market is a bit slower. And, um, you know, you can, you know, maybe you stage your deposit. There's a number of different things that can help you offset the the challenges in the market. So I, I do think for any buyer that's in the market today, go in and talk to your realtor, go into presentation centers, figure out what's out there. Uh, because, you know, it's, there, there is, there is, there are good opportunities out there for sure. And uh, you just have to spend, a bit, you know, and, and the, the other part is you don't have to, you don't have to be, feel rushed. You can go in, you can have conversations that, 
the sales team should be, our, I know our sales teams is great with follow-up and they'll make sure that you have everything you need to make decisions. And people are coming to our, our presentation centers much more than they used to because, because they have the time to. And I think that, I think that's a healthy thing. Um, but yeah, it's, there's, there's no, there's no time like the present. And I, and I think we have to see through rates as they are today. Um, they're, they're not, they're not sustainable. They're, they're being raised. They're being increased to this point for a reason. The Bank of Canada has been very clear. They have to break the back of inflation. They don't have to continue to break its back once it's broken. <laughs> but, you know, it'll, hopefully it'll, you know. It's it, a step it, on his neck. <laughs> yeah. Inflation on break. Yeah. <laughs> you know, once, once it returns to some semblance of normalcy, uh, you know, I've, I've spoken with a lot of uh, uh, smart people and, and, you know, they'll think it's going to settle in at around 3%. It's not going to, it's not going to go up. Uh, yeah, that is, that will lead to a healthier market. And that's, you know, kind of where we were historically. Can, can I, uh, we've talked about other markets in BC, but um, I guess uh, kind of a two-part question. Um, what's on Adair's uh, radar right now in the, in the province? And then I'd love to hear like, what's, what's your, you know, somebody who's been in the business for 20 years uh, building um, bird's eye view. Do you, is there a region that you really like or an area that you're really excited also, about? Also because you were active in Calgary, lived in Edmonton, lived in Kelowna. I feel like there's a lot of people we know, at least thinking at the moment about cash flow and Alberta seems to be on a lot of people's radars. Yeah. And Calgary as a future city for the first time I'm hearing that in, in a while. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, uh, I lived in Edmonton, did a lot of work in Calgary. I, I really like Calgary as a city. I, I like them both. Edmonton's just, you know, the, the weather's just harsher up there. It's, it's, it's a more challenging place to, you know, to live. It's, you know, I, I remember, uh, when I, the day, the day I moved there was minus 58.8 degrees. It was the coldest place on earth. So it was yeah. cold. It gets cold. Um, but you know, that being, that being said, great jobs. Um, um, and that's Edmonton and Calgary, lots of good jobs, uh, lots of immigration, uh, low cost of housing. And, and they, they have the, while their housing stock is, is, is growing, can grow faster than ours. They just stated they, they have less, uh, less, less stringent. Their, 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 their ability to supply housing is better, uh, for multiple, uh, multitude of reasons. They, the, 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 the cash flow, the ability to cash flow property there is, is, is better than here. Uh, moving that over to Kelowna. Um, I, again, I think Kelowna, um, is, is a good example. We were talking about one earlier. Like, I think if you're able to 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 get into the market there, whether it's a townhouse that that uh, you know is going to get you fairly good rent, or or a house with a suite or or a basement suite or whatever you got, um, I've I've been in that position there before, and it's a, it's a great market. And I think you look at these major centers, and what do they have? They have uh, good job growth, you know, uh, healthcare jobs, uh, uh, government jobs, whatever they have. And you look at Victoria; it's a, it's a it's a good market for rentals as well. It's just the the housing cost, the the entry cost is high. But I think from a from from a fundamentals, fun, fundamentals point of view, you can see why Edmonton, Calgary, Kelowna have some good opportunities, even the island in certain pockets. And uh, uh, no, it's 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 a good it's good to keep an eye on it. And you're the third person lately that's mentioned Penticton, uh, and you mentioned it early. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about why you Scott like that Brown? Movie? That was uh, that Scott episode's Brown, going out also, this week. Um, I'm blanking on somebody on the commercial real estate podcast. Uh, I think actually Western Investor, it might be in their top five. It is. It's picks. number three or four. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think um, uh, somebody used a really good example. I think the uh, Kelowna has grown to such a such a degree. And I have a lot of good friends that are developers and in, in real in real estate in, in Kelowna still. And uh, and um, Kelowna really is a, a big, big little city, little big city now, um, uh, which I think is fantastic. But it's never going to be the Kelowna that people, like a lot of people there, 
there just, it, it doesn't suit them anymore. So they're spreading out and people who used to want to come to Kelowna for that lifestyle, though the lifestyles change a bit, still fantastic, but it's changed a bit. So where do you go? You go to Vernon or you go to, you know, you kind of spread out up and down uh, the, the Okanagan Valley. And I think Penticton, uh, somebody else, said it, and I wish I could say it was me, but, um, you know, it's, if, if, if Kelowna is Seattle, Penticton is Bellevue, you know, it's just that it, it's, you're, you're smack dab in the center of wine country and not at the North end, like Kelowna is, you're right in the heart of it. You've right. got a lake on both sides. You've got, you know, you've got mountains on both sides. Um, uh, good, good access to, there's a, there's a regional airport there, which is great. Lots of good jobs. So I think, again, I think it's, uh, I think it's got a lot of opportunity on it. And then just, again, just analyzing, cause we have a place in Kelowna it was where, we, where, where might we go next as a family is, is it might be Penticton. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Very nice. And and last but not least, uh, predictions about the market uh, next one, three, five years. <laughs> November twenty twenty three, November twenty twenty six, and then we'll get to the Canucks predictions yeah. before the game. But uh, those are not more dire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, again, I, I think we're gonna we're gonna wait and see what happens with this with these next couple of interest rate hikes. Um, um, just in terms of what buyers are gonna do, I, I think. From a market perspective, I think we're going to continue to be undersupplied. I was listening to Benjamin Tao on a UDI interview the other day, and, um, and God, I wish I had his quote. He, you know, he he put it so so perfectly, which is just is housing. You know, two years from now, we're going to be talking about a housing. Uh, uh, we're going to be in a housing crisis. We're going to housing costs are going to be out of control. There's going to be no supply. This and that. And right now we're just not building enough. And so it's it's you know to 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 your point earlier, it's it's what are we. We we have this cyclical nature to our housing market, and and I we're just not uh, we just can't get over it. So mm. I, I th- again I th- I think we will be in a better position as we go out. We you know I'm mean, I'm not sure exactly a year from now, but you know two three years from now, yeah we're gonna we're gonna be out of this thing, and we're gonna be we're gonna be wishing we never slowed down. I'm hopeful that the talk at the government levels, all levels, federal, provincial, municipal, is starting to talk about the right things, starting to talk about supply. I'm hearing uh, um, different uh, tones from from some municipalities, definitely at the provincial and and federal level, they're saying the right things, whether they can do it is another thing. So I'm, I'm hoping some of that stuff comes into, uh, comes to reality, uh, which I think will be a game changer for us. You know, we've got, I couldn't, couldn't believe it. They, you know, we've got massive immigration targets, which we all know, and you know, 430 up, to 46, yeah. you know, like, yeah. Oh yeah, we're gonna do 500s. Yeah. Well, it's, it's actually kind of mind boggling, right? <laughs> is, like yeah. in, in after the housing crisis we've been in, it's like, let's ramp these numbers up. Yeah. Yeah, dur- okay, during, not during, bad if you have some rentals. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. During an economic slowdown and during a, during a, a time when we're not building as much, let's let's pump the numbers up, right? Yeah. So I, I, you know, I think it's just me crushing on on rental on rental housing, you know, in a bad way if you're a renter, and like in, in sure. a good way if you're if you're a landlord. So, well, we have this segment called the Five Wire Five Lighthearted Questions that we end the show with. Yeah. Can you stick around uh, for that, Rocky? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I uh, hope I can. Uh, I, I always listen to this from all your guests, and so I was interested to hear what people say. So <laughs> I hope, hopefully, my ones are interesting. <laughs> the Five Wire is brought to you by Scalina Real Estate. Hey, that sounds familiar. Scalina Real Estate is a full service real estate company serving Vancouver, offering comprehensive, tried and tested buyer and seller systems. With over a decade in the top 10% of realtors in the lower mainland and a perfect five star Google review, Scalina Real Estate can help with all your real estate needs. We also have an extensive network of the best industry professionals and trades right across the country. There's no reason to not get in touch. Head over to scalinarealestate.com to find out more. Well, we'll start with uh, one book 
that you would recommend for all of our listeners? Okay, my mine are two uh, pretty basic, uh, somewhat boring books. Uh, one is that I read recently again. Uh, I've read it four or five times with my kids, The Alchemist. Um, I think it's just, oh, it's just Paul, Paulo, Paul, Paul, Coelho, Coelho, or? Paul, 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 yeah. and, and I, and I, and I listened to him on, uh, Oprah's podcast as well, which is interesting, but, uh, I read it with my kids. Uh, so we read it all together, uh, separately. Um, and, um, again, it just picked up things and messages in it and, and, and things to consider that I hadn't picked up the first three times. And your, so. your kids are, sorry, you said uh, T- 10, 10, 10, my son Zion is 10 and my daughter, uh, Aria is 14. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That sounds. I have an eleven-year-old, so uh, it, 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 it's it's a good, it's a good book, and it's interesting to hear how each of them take away something different. It's pretty cool. Should get you to read it for the <laughs> first time too. <laughs> yeah, and then my yeah, my other book was uh, okay. I, pick, I picked two. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of uh, classic business books that I like to read, and it was uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh yeah, uh, I love that book, and and you know you could pick it up at any time, and you know read four or five pages, and you you get something out of it. So right, yeah. I still mirror people to this day because of that book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For the listeners at home, I just mirrored uh, Rocky. Uh, <laughs> Matt, question two. In the last uh, last five years, Rocky, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? Yeah, I, I thought about this one. I am not. Uh, I'm a creature of habit, so I don't really change my routine too much. But in just in the last uh, several weeks, a few, uh, yeah, several weeks now, uh, I've been trying. Don't don't hate me. I've been trying intermittent fasting. Oh, and, the, everybody in this yeah, room. Every and 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 so. I tried it because a friend kind of, you know, a couple of friends were doing it and I, I've heard good things about it. And I think the thing that I like about it most is that it's just really just cha- made me more alert about what I eat. And uh, definitely, you know, 12 hours is pretty easy. 14 is 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 starting to push it. But 14 to 18, now that's when you really start to feel it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that's when you got to avoid you at the office. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know what? And uh, Oakland founder Michael Yu has been doing, I said to Adam, intermittent fasting. I ran into him on 4th, uh, last weekend, and I was like, oh, that guy looks like Michael Yu, but like, like a ten, younger, fitter. 10 years younger and like way thinner. <laughs> yeah. And he's just, he said, I think he's actually exercising, but intermittent fasting was his wow. number one reason. Yeah. It's, uh, we started doing it about a year ago or so. Yeah, I, I kind I, of fall off yeah. the wagon every yeah. I don't feel it. The, my energy levels are way better. Yeah. Way more 100%. energy. Yeah. And the Me mornings are, are awesome. Yeah. I like it so much. I sometimes think about doing longer fasts, like going on, uh, yeah, we'll save that for my yeah. desert, my desert podcast right? yeah, uh, with some of that, uh, that, that, uh, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, uh, no, the, uh, um, but what I, you know, I, I think again, it just, it's just kind of, kind of, you know, we're, we're so used to our, 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 our life. I think it just kind of makes us rethink such a basic part of our life. And, right. and I think it's a beneficial thing. Just changes your mind. Right on. Yeah. What, on. uh, what music is on repeat right now mm-hmm. or a, uh, a favorite band recommendation? Um, I, when I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, you can ask anybody who, uh, who knows me, I'm shooting up podcasts all the time. So I, 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 that's what I listen to. Uh, but if I'm not, then it's usually reggaeton of some kind. And oh. usually because I just like, I, you know, people, like, you don't understand the words, but I just love the music. It's just awesome. And if, and if it's not that, if it's something that's on repeat, it might be Bob Marley. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Reggaeton. I like it. I, uh, I'm a big fan as well. There I like the, the upbeat energy. There you go. Anything you have been binge watching lately or favorite movie? Uh, I watched, uh, most recently was uh, House of 
House Dra- of Dragons. House the of Dragons. Dragons. Yeah. House the of Dragon? Dragons. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, was, I watched that with my wife. Uh, we enjoyed that. That's uh, it. Was started off slow. wasn't nearly as good as uh, as the, the you know Game of Thrones, but it 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 got there towards the end. And then movies. I just found so movies just suck nowadays. I just yeah. don't find. I guess the last enjoyable one was Maverick. Oh right. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I've been thinking a lot about is. Oh, Chris. Um, <laughs> Past guest fan favorite, uh, Dustin Woodhouse, right. uh, who's been on the show a bunch, cited Unforgiven, like that Clint Eastwood movie from the 90s, which I haven't watched in a long time, but I remember it being like the best movie ever. And I said, he said, Unforgiven. I said, oh, that's a great movie. And he yeah. was like, actually, it's not anymore. <laughs> the YouTube social media has ruined movies. It's actually super boring and right. you'll hate it. Right. It's like, huh. I haven't tried it, but maybe movies as a medium is is is. Top, have you seen that Top Gun? No, movie I yet? haven't seen the Top Gun movie. It's actually I'm I, I we started it too late and I fell asleep not because it wasn't a good movie, partly because of my age and my BMI. Uh, but I, I think it was uh, it was a good it was a it was a it was my a age and my BMI, BMI. <laughs> my body mass index. Come on, guys. <laughs> I fall asleep when I sit down. Yeah. Uh, but no, I honestly, the, uh, it, it was, it's really well done. Yeah. It's, 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 it's pretty good. It's a bit of a vanity project for uh, Tom Cruise, but it's, uh, and, and it's it, such a hard act to follow. Like who, how do you make a Top Gun to yeah, it? Yeah. Uh, I, I was expecting the worst, uh, but it was, yeah, it was, it was entertaining. It was, you know, ticked all the boxes that you should have a movie and, yeah. um, you know, and you weren't checking up. your phone. No. Every five minutes. At no. least that's I feel like the only the hurdle you gotta get over. Well right? the hurdle is just how bad Tom Cruise's brand is. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta just you gotta like him again and yeah. it's not easy. Uh, okay, last but not least, Rocky, um, something you've purchased for under fifteen hundred dollars recently. That's had a positive impact on your life. Sure, yeah. I, I actually don't buy a lot of stuff uh for myself. My my kids usually take all my money. But uh um uh but I uh we, Fifteen hundred bucks. I, I, I we we got a dog two years ago. Um, oh, wow. Not a COVID dog, but yet a COVID dog. We we've uh, he's a boxer, a white boxer. He's he's actually the best energy around the house. It's just amazing. He's a he's a fantastic dog. We couldn't ask for anything better. So you know, wow. all around. Is he's, it? Yeah. What what? Uh, I'm just curious. Is it the energy? Is that the the real benefit? Or because I I often think like my wife and my daughter. We have two dogs, and I'm. I guess a dog person now. Uh, but actually what I like is that I literally have to walk 45 minutes a day because yeah. they go crazy if you don't. Like it's just adds to this routine of kind of getting out, clearing your head. But is it the energy? Is it what, what's what's the best part about this dog? Yeah, I think it's the energy. It's what they get back to you. You realize, you know, the, these creatures just love you unconditionally and they kind of teach you about the simple things in life. And I, this morning, I uh, after the gym, took the dog for a very short walk, but you know, got out, got some fresh air, and you can just you can feel the appreciation. And I think they just teach you to look at things differently, and and yeah, it's it's the vibe though. Yeah, just they're they're in the house, and it's just such a great energy. So, Rocky, how can people find out more about what you're up to, and of course, more about Adira? Uh, sure. Yeah. No, uh, you can go to our website, adira.com, A-D-E-R-A.com. Uh, like I said, we've got a couple of projects that we're, that we're marketing in, in, uh, well, we've got three, Britannia townhomes, uh, uh, Seoul, which are condos in, in Coquitlam and, and Pura, which are condos in, uh, in Surrey. And you can, they all have their websites and, uh, 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 encourage everybody to check them out. But, uh, and then we do a lot and stuff, you know, encourage everybody to look at mass timber. It's, it's something that we take a leadership role in and, uh, feel free to look that up and, uh, 
let, uh, let me know if you have any questions. I'm always open to a, to a conversation. Yeah. I, I, I like this idea. I haven't been in the, the Smartwood room. Yeah, please. Uh, yeah. But this I'll, is I'll, a, we'll have to meet up there. I'll, I'll yeah, take yeah. It's such a cool, uh, a cool feature of a yeah. presentation center. So, yeah. well, thanks again for taking the time, Rocky. Uh, great conversation. And yeah, thanks for coming down to Kokomo studios. Appreciate it. No worries. Thanks for having me. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Rocky Sethi, the chief operating officer at Adara Homes. Really enjoyed that conversation with Rocky, Matt. Man, I, I got to say, one of the downsides of being away right now is it's so great having people in Kokomo Studios. It was awesome having Rocky there. We had a great time and uh, he's doing great work over there at Adara Homes. Yeah, no, it was a great conversation. Hopefully we can have him back. And uh, there's one thing for sure. I have been lining up the 2023 schedule. And we are, we not only are we going to close this year off strong, we are moving right into January with some, with some really top-notch guests, just like Rocky. So yeah. uh, we thank him for coming down. It was a great conversation. Uh, before we go at him, uh, we should touch on a few things again. One is those t-shirts, head over to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast on Instagram, share your favorite episode. Yes. Tag us in it. We will reshare it and get you a t-shirt. We've already, we're out of the live from Kokomo Studios shirts. Those went quick. Couple remaining of the Build More Housing shirts. So uh, if you're interested in a shirt or you have a loved one or a friend who you think may be excited about a Christmas present like that, that is the way to get your hands on one. And we also have VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. This is our website, of course where all things real estate related live. Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com for things like the Livewire. This is our weekly mailer. We just got the November stats. We haven't talked about those all that much. Not much to talk about. Uh, some pretty low sales ratios, kind of to be expected, but uh, I feel like there was a bit of a bump in October and it might've been a short-lived bump in, in terms of uh, an uptick in sales. But you'll get stats like that before anyone else. And you can really dig down. We have sales ratios for neighborhoods. So I was looking at, you know, single family homes in, in the Canby area specifically. And, you know, we're at like a 9% sales ratio or something like that right now. Um, but really useful stuff. We also have deal of the month, uh, tons of commercial and residential VIP presale opportunities, the back catalog and private client services. Yeah, Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information for free. It's available at your fingertips over at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com slash PCS. Sign up for your free account today. Uh, what a time to be monitoring the uh, market with PCS for sure. Um, the other thing is the feedback on these shirts, I got to say, makes me think that I missed out on a career in t-shirt design because we are starting to get people that are saying that, uh, man, we just got our shirt, love the quality, but also love the design. Oh, Imagine. they're good looking shirts. There's no question about it. And I had yeah. nothing to do with these, but they're good looking shirts. I wear. So Melissa on our team said her significant other wears his shirt so often he wears it more than I do. And I wear one of these shirts every day. Uh, because they're just that he comfortable and they're that cool. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And he doesn't even like the show. Right, right. It's yeah. He hates it. Yeah. To be honest, uh, and it and this is <laughs> this is the thing. 
<laughs> Why are you wearing it? Uh, it's <laughs> That's that, what I said it's to her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but anyways, you can get your shirt. Just follow us at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast on Instagram. Uh, and yeah, reach out. Um, we'd love to get your shirt. A lot of people have just sent us DMs saying, hey, can I have a shirt? <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like they missed the memo, right? It's like, do a review, <laughs> yeah. share with a friend. It's like, hey, can I just uh, get three? It's like, yeah. Yeah. All right. And then it's well, like, yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll send them on. Three. Um, <laughs> we're being very generous with these shirts, but we want everybody in the VRAP community to get, to get one. So uh, reach out and uh, thanks for listening. And yeah, more bangers coming before the end of the year. And then, of course, uh, starting the new year off with a bang. Absolutely. If you want to talk about that or anything else, give me a shout at 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We also got that Kokomo line info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Well, have a great week, guys. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with some more great content. Take care, everyone, and talk to you next week. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today.